Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course, along with our uh, very kind sponsors, Ryan at Smith Partners Real Estate, uh, up at Golden Grove for all your real estate needs, buying, selling, and property management, and also down to Earth Electrical uh, for data, electrical, and air conditioning needs, um, and also our wonderful patrons on Patreon. Uh, joining me tonight so far is Macca. How are you going, Mac? Yep, very good, thanks, uh, Fiend. We've got to add a win uh, for a change and some bit of positivity to talk about. Absolutely, and uh, we won't shy away from that. It was a, a, a much-needed win uh, by the Crows this week, um, so <laughs> uh, you can't complain because uh, we got it done. So I don't think it was particularly... Oh, it wasn't particularly pretty, I don't think. No, it wasn't, but uh, I think, well, we'll talk a lot more in detail about it later, but there was a lot more effort by us in the game, and uh, um, and there was plenty of effort by them too, and I think that's why it resulted the way it did. Yeah, I think you're right, um, and we'll go into it in more detail in just a moment. Uh, but first of all, I just remembered... That I haven't set up Facebook Live, so make it keep talking for a second while I quickly set up Facebook Live. <laughs> okay, well, we'll keep on talking. Um, I reckon I could talk out of the water with a mouthful of marbles. Yeah, so um, and, Yep, and I, actually during the week I, I did make a call at five double I reckon I got done like a dinner. Best call, never got the bloody prize. Really never dark got it. Not dark, really dark about that. I gave it to some idiot that just asked quickly a question. But you know, I think, unfortunately, <laughs> just... they know that. What'd you know, I've been on there. Well, I have got a hundred dollar food voucher and a wine voucher lately, so yeah. they probably think I've got too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but back to the game at hand, uh, just in round terms, that uh, I did think that uh, there were several things that did contribute to our win, and one was the fact that I thought we had a much much better structure. Uh, the changes, with the exception of Douglas, uh, I thought were warranted. Um, and I think that the, the Fogarty up forward in particular, that, I mean, I, that's one thing I 
have been calling for all year. I'm not a Jenkins man, um, and uh, well, look, I keep been saying for some weeks he's he's somebody we've got to put on the trade uh, table and get something for him. Unfortunately, I think it, don't think it's going to be as much as we thought it was going to be originally, but that's what it is. Uh, you know, you can only get what you can get. But yeah. I do think that whether we've got uh, Fogarty um, or the other bloke, um, Himmelberg, I think that the structure looks just so much better. And you made a very, very astute point when we were just chatting before, Fane, which I'll allow you to make. <laughs> well, I'll make that, uh, I'll make that in uh, our discussion about the Crows match. Uh, but first okay. of all, Macca, why don't we just round up the scores from the weekend, eh? Let's do that. And, of course, I've got to say good day to all the people who've joined us on Spreaker Chat and also Facebook Chat. Thanks very much for getting around it and make sure you get involved because there'll be plenty to talk about, I'm sure, as the night goes on. But let's have a look at the weekend's results, shall we, Mac? And it started off with a pretty reasonable game on Friday night between North and Hawthorne. Hawthorne, uh, again, inefficient, uh, in my opinion, and North getting up in the end quite comfortably by 22 points. 12 goals, 14.86 to Hawthorne, 9 goals, 10.64, a margin there of 22. Yeah, a game of two different styles and a game of two different halves almost as well because of the fact that um, Hawthorne had their keepings off game going very well early in the piece and did jump out to, I think it was about a 21-point lead, something like that, um, and did look like they were going to run away with the game. Uh, but then North Melbourne... Uh, the tradesman-like style that uh, Reshaw, and I've got to congratulate him on winning his first game as a an appointed coach, the coach. So well done, Reece. Um, I They just wore Hawthorne down, and they didn't give them that time. They didn't give them that space that the Hawthorne love, and uh, that is a way to beat Hawthorne. And that's just don't give them that time and space. And um, they had and they had good forward like. Uh, good players up forward, sorry, and uh, capitalised on their chances. And in the end, wore them down just through sheer competitive, competitive, so I'm having trouble saying some of these big words tonight. I must be really sure. Um, but uh, in the end, no, congratulations. Well done, North. Yeah, he's such an unlikely coach, isn't he? He just doesn't doesn't look as if he's uh, coaching material, but he's certainly got them playing well. Uh, they're playing with passion and... I don't know whether there's a lot of sophistication to the game plan, uh, but right no, now they're winning on not. they're winning on effort alone, and you can't fault them for that. Um, how far it takes them, and how much he can develop their game style uh, to become competitive again, I'm not sure. But uh, for the most part, um, uh, they at least are playing with some pride in the jumper. Of course, uh, the rumor is, of course, that uh, Brad Scott. Uh, was on a fortune and if he doesn't get a coaching gig next year they've got to pay him out and it counts Correct. towards their luxury tax and poor yeah. Reese, I think is getting paid uh, if not the lowest then certainly amongst the lowest of any coach uh, and you wouldn't like to say that that was one of the reasons why um, they picked him because he was cheap uh, but it's hard not to make that it's hard not to make that um, observation is it really well, apparently they are two obvious people who wouldn't come there. 
Richard's Clarkson and uh, um, Longmire. They, they, they're not going to leave their clubs. No. Um, uh, so, and apparently they didn't interview any other external coaches. Now, if no. that is correct, which is the word that uh, Caroline Wilson, et cetera, and people in uh, similar type roles are saying, well, I don't, you have to one, I th- well, it actually puts a lot of credence to what you just said, Fiend. Yeah, well, uh, that is the word from Caro, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of Adelaide play, uh, Adelaide people talk about the boys' club down at Adelaide. If you have a look at who's employed and who's involved down there at North at the moment, it's uh, it's like the North Melbourne Hall of Fame, really. Uh, Brian, so, Yeah, so uh, yeah, interesting times down there. But anyway, he can only do what he can do, Reece Shaw, and I think he's done well. Uh, Nikki, how are you going? I'm going very well, but very tired. Well, thanks for joining us, and I uh, hope you're fed and uh, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. I have some players in my sights. Ah, very good. Now, Saturday, we had the power convincing winners away. Uh, 10 goal winners against Essendon in the end. 19 goals, 12, 126. When was the last time a Port Adelaide team kicked? 126 points uh, versus Essendon, nine goals, 13-67. Port basically beat Essendon at their own game, I thought. It was an astounding win, really, and a damn good win, and they played terrific football. When the sides were chosen, I thought, poor boy, have you pulled a a shitter here? You've got against a side, which is a running side, you've got, you're loaded up with all these big guys. Mm. But then, unfortunately, uh, Fessler McKernan uh, pulled out through illness. They had no regular ruckman. Um, and uh, big men or no big men, I think you're right, Fiend. I think they, uh, Essendon were well and truly smashed at their own game. Yeah. And uh, uh, it, it really annoyed me because the Port played so well, I have to give them the credit. Yeah, they were good. Uh, um, North, uh, sorry, Essendon coming off a five win or going for a five wins in a row, I think it was. Uh, and that's not a big, that's a big ask for any team, uh, ask Geelong. Uh, let alone a team that is sort of in the middle of the pack. So you probably forgive them uh, a sloppy game, but it certainly puts them back in the pack with regards to the race for those final couple of spots in the eight. Hmm. But anyhow, they did. They played exceptionally well. Yep. Probably the match of the round, Giants getting up by two points over Sydney, 12 goals, 11.83 to 12 goals, 9.81, a margin, as I said, of two. And Sydney making a good account of themselves. Uh, no... Hard to know what to make of the Giants at the moment. Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, to me, I, it was the most enjoyable match of the round apart from our own. Um, mm. Because it was close, it was competitive, you're never really sure who was going to win it. Um, uh, but I think that, you know, that they are two different sides in the sense that GWS has got uh, a shitload of talent. They're a very, very talented uh, squad not just teams, talented squad, and when they have injuries, they can replace them with reasonably good players. And uh, one move, one thing they have done extremely well, I mean, to have blokes like Coniglio, uh, Kelly, Ward out of your midfield, that would mm. actually cripple both sides. What yeah. they've done, Zach Williams, um, a former midfielder when he was a junior, and uh, Green, who can, was a former midfielder, put, put them back in the midfield, and then they dominated in the midfield. So... Um, but Sydney have got a lot of young blokes and they're going to be, I believe, a good side in the next couple of years. They're actually building up nicely. So it was a good game. Very competitive by both sides and uh, I enjoyed it. Did you see that one, Nick? Nope. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I only saw one game of football. 
probably the upset of the round. Uh, the Dockers played really, really well, I thought, um, particularly after quarter time. They just mauled the Cats in the end and got up by 34 points, 14 goals, 11.95 uh, to 9 goals, 7.61. A margin there of 34 points and Geelong losing three of their last five and now only top on percentage. So uh, looking a little bit vulnerable in the second half of the season, Geelong. Yeah, I saw the last part of that game after the other one. Um, and I think you're right, Ben. I think Geelong are starting to look rather mortal. Um, early in the season, they were looking nearly like demigods. But um, Kelly, they target Kelly and they cut uh, Kelly down to... He still do, does get possessions. You can't stop him from getting some. But um, Dangerfield in particular was uh, very, very poor. He yeah. Have a, uh, a good one. Yeah. And... Uh, they are they're relying on two or three stars to get to get them moving up forward, and if if you can cut that out, uh, I think you can beat Geelong. But uh, they're, they're a good side. But I thought well done by I thought Ross Lyon was finished as a coach and would never well, win another game. But I thought he uh, outstrategized uh, Geelong, and their boys uh, really put in. And Fife was out, uh, outstanding. Yeah, uh, interesting that Chris Scott did the uh, Phil Wash trick and put uh, Dangerfield head-to-head with Fife, and Fife is... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, been a bit up and down this season, but he played really well against Danger. Um, and uh, Danger really didn't have much of an influence on the game at all. And uh, I think uh, Geelong have been shown to be a little bit vulnerable down back, particularly when you get them one out. And uh, a bit hit miss up forward if uh, Hawkins gets held. Spot on. Spot on, Tony. Look, uh, we had Melbourne uh, going well early against Richmond, uh, but then Richmond ran right over the top. Dusty Martin and some good nick at the moment. 13 goals, 15.93 to Melbourne, 9 goals, 6.60. A margin there of 33 points to the Tigers, and they're just chugging along into the four and looking quite good. Yep, never saw it, so... uh... And quite happy that I didn't. Well, speaking of five-game winning streaks, they're on one at the moment. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Richmond, yeah, yeah, form team of the comp, I would say, along with Brisbane. Um, and uh, I reckon uh, West yeah. Coast. And well, West Coast, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see on West Coast. I'm not a hundred percent sold yet. Uh, and then today, of course, ignoring our game for the moment, today we had Collingwood predictably getting up comfortably over uh, the Suns, although they didn't have it all their own way the whole match, but 18-12, uh, Gold Coast, 8 goals, 351, uh, 69 point margin there to Collingwood. 
Yeah, well, you know, Gold Coast got off to a very good start. They had the first two goals of the game, and they were very, very competitive for about um, two-thirds of the first quarter. Uh, Grundy was absolutely outstanding in ruck, and Trelaw uh, in the midfield was outstanding, and uh, they have a t- tremendous understanding at the clearances. And I, look, I oscillate, Fiend, and sometimes I think if you've got that, if you, that good pick, you do give it for Grundy because... He just can control a game, and the way he fed Trelaw and the understanding they've got, they just well, it's, it's like having another team within a team. So, um, and then eventually Gold Coast got overrun as they do because they can't maintain that resistance, and it turned out to be a flogging. Yeah, Look, but mm-hmm. the problem, what you've actually said there, Macca, it's Trelaw as well as Grundy. It's not just the one player. No, they're a team within the team. Yeah, so you you. You don't just need Grundy. You also need the players around him. And we could develop a player around him, Nicky. Oh, yeah, but he'd be, <laughs> he'd be 37 years old before he got his debut. <laughs> but anyway. What Fiend said. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, hold your fire. Um, look, Carlton also looked good early against West Coast, uh, but eventually West Coast survived the scare um, and got up by 24 points in the end, 15 goals, 9.99 to Carlton, 11 goals, 9.75. So a four-goal win there to the Eags. Carlton got away to a good start in this mm. game, and uh, I, you know, I was a bit worried. I thought they got to win another game. But the one thing why I did get out of this, I don't know whether you watched it or not, but the Carlton supporters of every, any other team in the whole competition think that they are the entitled ones. It doesn't matter what happened, whether their player got touched or not, whether he didn't get touched or not, whether he did nothing or not, they just screech and scream. Yeah, don't don't like their supporters one little bit. What, what What's happened there? I think Mac has gone bye-bye. Mac has gone bye <laughs> Mac is here. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, you faded out, mate. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but I, I'm with you. Uh, Carlton fans at their home games are intolerable, I reckon. Drive me yeah, crazy. Uh, and the last uh, game of the round, uh, quite a good match. Uh, Brisbane getting up at home in the end by uh, 18 points, three goals. So 14-14-98 uh, to 11-14-80 by a spirited Bulldogs team. And I think you described it very well just in that little summary thing. Um, for all bit, uh, Brisbane Lions, too good. Bulldogs uh, don't give up. They kept trying, but they just fell short. And uh, Brisbane Lions, it's, it's an incredible story. I, I was talking to my son about it afterwards. When you think of what they were two or three years ago and what they are now, and that's a big transition in such a short time. And then ah, you yeah. go through. You go through them line by line, and there's not a lot of stars in the team. No, so it's got to be. Oh, I, I debate that. There's I reckon, some real quality players in that team. You, oh, no, there is totally, but then in terms of the biggest names in the competition, mm. they have maybe three or four. But uh, but do you I reckon that's do you reckon that's because of the fact it's Brisbane and we don't hear from them? I mean, Zorko's quality, Neil's quality. Uh, you know, they've got some good young forwards. Uh, and a couple of really solid backs and some good run. I, I think they fly under the radar a bit because of their location. To be honest, could well be true too. But I think what you just described was that they have got some very good young players coming up, and uh, they've got a solid back line, and um, they've got uh, Charlie Cameron who is like grease lightning around and around the goals and very scary. 
and they've got a uh, in Hipwood, they've got a uh, full forward for the future. Yeah. So look, their future is very, very bright, yeah. very bright yeah. indeed. Now, there's a bloke in the speaker chat called John, uh, and uh, he wins uh, the chat already, not because he agreed <laughs> with you, Maka, but because he's got a picture of the Sturt Premiership uh side there as his little icon so thank you john you've just warmed my heart and uh yeah you'll never be banned anyway uh yeah all right also an interesting uh outcome in terms of the ladder so i'll just go through them quickly we now have three teams even on 56 points geelong west coast and brisbane um and brisbane and west coast particularly brisbane just racing up the ladder at the moment i wouldn't be surprised if brisbane ended up top you know uh, Richmond, uh, one game back on 52 points. Uh, the Giants and Collingwood on 48 points. Essendon on 44. And the Crows rounding out the top eight on 40. Uh, just outside the eight, a game and 2% away from us is Port. Uh, Western Bulldogs also on 36 along with Fremantle, but uh, quite a fair way back on percentage. Hawthorne, North and St Kilda on 32 points and shitty percentage. Uh, Swans and Carlton come on Sydney. Um, even on 24 points, we're relying on Sydney to keep winning a couple for goodness sake. You know, Sydney haven't won for ages. Um, I know, it's a worry. It's yeah. a worry. And they've got, they've, got, they've got Port next week. Oh, God. But Carlton have got Richmond, so you wouldn't expect that to be a win. Um Melbourne on 20 and not even looking like it. They've got uh, the Pies next week. And Gold Coast, of course, uh, the, what is it, the Q Clash, whatever the hell they call it, against Brisbane next the week. Q, so, yeah, Q Clash. So really, uh, West Coast need to get it done against us. Uh, Brisbane, you'd expect to get it done against Gold Coast. And Geelong have got North, which is going to be a very, very interesting game, I reckon. Not an easy one. No, not an easy one at all. No, not the way North are playing at the moment. So uh, we could see a little bit of movement at the top of the ladder after next week's games. Anyway, without further ado, let's talk about us, shall we? Well, we are back on our way a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll take it, make of it what you will, but in the end, a win's a win's a win. And the Crows got up uh, by 22 points in the end, 14 goals, 8.92 to St Kilda, 10 goals, 10.70. Initial thoughts, ladies and gentlemen? Not the prettiest game in the world, but um, I thought that we played a little bit more like we did uh, pre the bye. I thought there was a that our backs... Uh, pressed up higher than they than they had been doing. Um, however, that worked both ways because if it got in one side's forward line, it took a lot to get it out of there uh, for the other team. So, um, in, in uh, full credit to St Kilda, they made it a very very competitive match. But I do think we uh, had a much better team, a much better structure. Uh, as I said earlier, um, I agreed with the inclusions, with the exception of Richard Douglas. I certainly. Doubted the one with Gibbs after I watched him. He just looked like Treacle running down a window or something like that. He was that bloody slow. I've never, I didn't realise he was that slow. Um, but um, much, no, I think we had a much better structure. We seemed to have a game plan that was similar to what we had before the bye, and there was a lot more effort. And the, the fact of somebody like Fogarty not getting in Walker's way um, 
it was a much hey, better strip. Stop stealing my yeah. line. <laughs> right, over to you. Over to you, <laughs> No, Nick, what do you reckon, first of all? Um, it was very. I was quite interested in the crowd and how what the reaction was going to be. <laughs> the fact that there was <laughs> no audio. Um, before the guys, the team started to run out, the audio just kind of cut out. We kind of thought, oh, here we go. Um, there was, you could feel the anger and the frustration in the crowd that we weren't happy with what was happening. And in the bus on the ride home, it, it was just like the trips you take after a loss. So even though we won, people just weren't happy with it and I, I think that's kind of the, the state of what it is. It was great to see I quite liked um our forward line. We did do some changes in the midfield which seemed to work and they obviously got a hell of a rocket and actually listened. Um for most of them. There's one in particular but we all know who that is. And Miller was back in the back lines. Um I think they finally kind of saw the light that it just wasn't working for him not at this stage not at this stage i think he's great off half back um with the odd cameo up forward i I just don't think he's uh it's not consistent enough in that midfield he gets lost and goes missing for periods nick um but half back with the ball coming at him i think it's much easier for him to stay involved in the game and I think it showed his confidence being a little bit shot at the start of the game. He kind of wasn't as good in the back lines as we know he can be, and he got better as the game wore on. Really loved Brody on the wing and across half forward. Um, so just using his speed there. And as much as everybody hates him, McKay at had, least tries his guts out, pro- had an provides game, run. Yep, and had a great game. Um, one, I think probably one of the best plays of the night was forced by him. Yeah. Just but, doing that gut run. Yeah. No, uh, very happy with D-Mac's effort. Um, I commented to Macca before the car start that uh, isn't it nice to see uh, a forward line functioning with two forwards or two key forwards that actually know how to play the game. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that we've had at both times where we've had good footballers in Fogarty and Himmelberg front up at centre-half forward, all of a yep. sudden we see Tex uh, become a functioning forward as well. And uh, and Lynch. Yeah, there's more space, there's more movement. Um, now, I don't think it's a coincidence uh, that... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With JJ out of the team, 
um, running because uh, I'll, I'll maintain that Jenkins runs to the wrong spots. He clogs space. He's yep. uh, he's stationary a lot of the time. His leads are often half-hearted, and not only is it not efficient for him in terms of his own output, but it's also not efficient for the remaining forwards. And I, I felt like, despite the fact that I still think we've got a lot of problems with our forward fifty entries. Um, I felt like our forward line in general looked more functional um, and looked more like a professional AFL forward line. At one stage, we actually had Otten at full forward. Yeah, then little bits and pieces. Kind of, yeah, and so then you had Fogg swapping with him as the full forward, kind of not quite centre-half forward, not quite full forward role in between. And then you had Lynch and Walker. And the freedom and the movement, and you, I'm looking at it going, that's not a quick forward line, but they know how to move and where to move to create the space, which was causing a bit of havoc for those Saints defenders. Good point, Nikki, because um, I know Otten up in the forward line, and, uh, you know, honestly, I think you can probably walk faster than he can run. But, uh, you know, in all credit to him, I thought he played relatively well whenever he was near the ball. He's just, he has got that footy nous about him. And uh, um, although, as I said, he's a slow player, you know, at both ends of the ground, he just he gets the job done even though he hasn't got the speed. Mm. And, he, and, he, and he did, you're quite right, he, he never got, he never clogged it up and he never got uh, in the way of the other two key forwards, not once. And I think the... The, for me, the best thing was when he kicked that goal, Talia ran from full back up to congratulate him. It was pretty much almost the entire team came up to congratulate him. And just yeah. looking at that, except the players Murphy, know. Because he burnt him. He, <laughs> <laughs> the players know he should have been in the team. Yeah. Look, a lot earlier. What do you reckon? I, I reckon we could almost have Lynch, Fogarty, Walker, and Himmelberg in the same forward line. Yes. Well, I was actually going to raise that theme. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I think we could. I think we've been a little bit obsessed with uh, uh, having a small forward line this year, and I don't actually think it's worked for us. And when you think no. about the game plan that we have, and this is this is where I'm critical of the coaching staff because I think I just don't think they've thought this through. The game plan that has worked for us this year, which we reverted to again against St Kilda, and it's arguable it would have worked against a better team. But we're all about the territory. We're all about locking it into the forward half. We're all about repeat forward entries. And to my way of thinking, the best way to do that is to have some tall options up forward. Because how many times we, as Cam really uh, insightfully pointed out on the rev up a few weeks ago, our turnovers, turnovers occur via aerial contests. They don't, they don't occur at ground level. And a lot of the time it's because we mismatch. We've got Lockie Murphy going up for a mark or we've got Eddie Betts going up for a mark. Uh, it's, not, it's not even one of our tall forwards, or when it is, they're often outnumbered because the opposition's got an extra tall. And I reckon, to be honest with you, the, if we're going to play that style of football, because we're not Richmond, and it seems to me that we're trying to emulate Richmond with our forward setup, but we're not Richmond. We don't move the ball anywhere near as quickly. We don't have the pace of Richmond. And so the alternative, uh, logically, is to have some more marking options. And 
yes, Tex and Fogarty and uh, Himmelberg and even Lynch aren't quick players, but they will contest. We got we saw the value of Fogarty and, and Tex and Lynch leading up, um, and it actually allows our mids to actually push a little bit more forward to that 50-metre arc and provide options there or crumbing options there as well. So it'll be interesting to see... I don't think Jenkins will get another run this year by all reports. I think there's been some internal ructions with JJ and I think he might be on the trade table. Um, but it will be interesting to see if they experiment uh, going even taller next week against West Coast and really trying to stretch them. That's a very interesting point because um, West Coast do have... A, they're probably not the right team to experiment with, Fiend, because they have three tall marking uh, forwards, uh, mm. defenders. So probably uh, better uh, against West Coast to go small and catch them out for pace if possible. So but uh, apart from them, uh, but you could actually still have it and make sure that you do your rotation such that yes. you get a mix and match, that sometimes there's three small forwards and yes. sometimes there's three tall forwards, and then it makes it very hard for the defence to settle down. They're always trying to catch up. Yeah. And and that is what happened. Uh, but what that point you were making about Fiend, those aerial contests, the case in point is that Eddie Betts' mark that he took running back with the flight of the ball is that because there was fog standing under the ball, you have the two St Kilda defenders going, oh, my God, we can't let him mark that. Exactly. They concentrated so much on fog, he yeah. turned into that decoy. And I, you just saw Eddie streaming down. I'm watching this going, oh, he's going to get this. Yeah. And he did because he, he could read what was happening, which is why he had quite a good game because he's got a player. Even though Fogg is so young, he knows where he needs to be to maximise. Well, he's a natural footballer, isn't he? bring it down. Oh, incredibly natural. Just a natural footballer. Uh, the complete opposite of Jenkins. Uh um, and I'm not knocking JJ at all, but our, we just look more functional with a proper footballing centre-half forward uh, there, and it seems to, Tech seems to enjoy, enjoy it as well. Um, oh, and Tex seeing, loves him. And so, well, I think Tex just loves the fact that he's playing with a guy who knows how to lead properly, how to create, the value of creating space. Um, and I, I'm sure, being similar kind of blokes... Uh, with similar game styles, they'll bounce off each other very well. And I certainly hope, irrespective of form, I just hope they leave Darcy in the team and I hope they lock him up because I'd hate to see Fogarty leave the club at the end of the season. Hate to see it. He's got a contract next year. Yeah, he might have a contract, but he also might ask to leave. Nick, that wouldn't be the first yeah. time that's happened. So, you know. No, it wouldn't. But you don't let him go, Pete. Whether he asks or not, you don't let him go. Mm, uh, not usually the Adelaide Crows style. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah, so let's look have a look at some head-to-head, shall we? Because um, it was quite an interesting game from the point of view of statistics. Um, both teams, as you mentioned earlier, Mac, uh, had periods of time where uh, they dominated forward 50 possession. Um, certainly at half-time, um, inside 50s were in negative territory and during the third quarter they dipped quite substantially into negative territory for Adelaide and it really didn't get back to parity until about the 25 minute mark 
and conversely, rebound 50s were heavily in our favour during that period. So it was almost a, a, an exact crossover. Um, we ended up plus 7, I think, in inside 50s and minus, uh, minus 9. Um, but that crossed over from the opposite uh, at around just towards the end of the, the third quarter. So it felt to me as if St Kilda had a lot of the ball and it felt to me as if they squandered a lot of opportunities. Um, so I don't know whether we would have been quite so fortunate um, and had the outcome uh, that we ended up getting had we been playing a better team. That, well, I can't argue with you. I think that they, they, there was an excellent one that... Oh, was it Bruce who, was, who did miss that yeah. two or three... That, He's normally a dead-eye dick, so uh, we're very, very fortunate that he was having an off night because if he had kicked those goals at the stage of the game that he did miss them, yeah, it may have made a totally different result. Well, there was oh, one that Membry missed as well. Membry missed one, I think yeah. it was at the beginning of the last, was it? Or sort of yeah, it actually, it hit actually the post hit, or something? It hit the post, but it hit the post on the point side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a so very gettable was, shot. Talking about memory, he should be charged with murder. What he did to bloody um, Hardigan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Slaughtered him. Slaughtered him. Uh, all right, let's go through some team heads ahead, shall we? Uh, Adelaide, uh, more disposals, 406 to 347. Um, and that was pretty much the case for the whole evening, actually. We had uh, pretty much more disposals for the whole night. Uh, so... That's interesting. Um, uh, let me have a look. Kick to handball was pretty even. We both had sort of one and a half to kicks to one handball. 129 marks to 101. Uh, we out-tackled them 66 to 54. Uh, hit-outs were even, although I thought Riley for the first time looked a little bit uh, tired, um, conveniently, for Source with on 198 games. Um, Marshall, though, is a very, very good ruckman. He is good. Uh, he, I reckon he's going, he's going to be the third best in the comp. He's and and yet, interestingly, they were almost close on parity with the number of hitouts. Even though they, we looked at the game and, and you thought, you know, Rob's kind of been comprehensively beaten, and yet there's similar numbers in terms of their actual hitouts. I think it was. Yeah, but what Marshall does a little bit of Grundy in him in the sense of he he grabs the ball sometimes and shoots out the handball to the midfielder, which uh, yeah, uh, Riley d- doesn't didn't do and doesn't do. Um, or oh no, get... Riley can do that. Can, but he, he didn't has... get the opportunity to. That's no. I, I thought. He, I thought he got done by uh, Marshall. Yeah, I thought so. What, what's your opinion on um, on Adelaide making the change and going to Jacobs? Uh, look, I think um, I, I think they may, they may be forced to do it because O'Brien is starting to look a little bit tired. I thought. It's a little bit of, for me, I would still prefer to keep Rob in there just purely to give his body an idea of a full season. Pretty much this is what you're doing. You know, the the fact that this is, he's essentially played, you know, the whole season so far. Mm. Pretty damn good for him that he's only just now starting to look tired. Um, a bit. We know he's got a great aerobic capacity, but but yeah, but I, I don't know that. Uh, and this is just off the top of my head, but I can't remember 
uh, Rob getting too many hit-outs hit to advantage. Um, he seemed to be less effective, didn't he, Mac? Yeah, very. I thought he, I, I thought Marshall was quite effective and much uh, much more so than Rob was. And uh, I'm used to Rob looking in up until the last couple of weeks. Uh, Rob absolutely dominating his opponent, but he certainly didn't do it this week. And uh, I, I probably would give Jacobs a run and give give Rob a week off. But seriously, if you were going to do that, this is the week to do it because the SNFL team had a bye. So you would actually be resting Rob. I think he needs a rest. He would be getting battered and bruised because the one thing I'll say about Rob, he does not spare his body. He goes in where angels fear to tread and he keeps on going and going and going. He must be battered and bruised and he must get treated all week to get him back on the park again. Yeah, just having a look at the comparison between Riley O'Brien um, and uh, what's his name, now, the lad? Marshall. Yeah. Rowan Marshall. Just bear with me a moment. Keep talking for a minute. Uh, we'll find him, I'm sure. There he well, is. What's your thoughts, Nicky? Would you bring uh, Jacobs in for this game? No. You... I, I, I think bringing in Jacobs is a even more of a step backwards than what we've been doing. Um, I, I just think for the future, for conditioning-wise, et cetera, uh, even though you're like, oh, he, he's looking tired, but he's still, I think he's the third most effective ruckman in the league. Yeah, and it was really only in the last quarter. Yeah. Like looking at the stats, um, Marshall had 11 hitouts in the last quarter and O'Brien had... Uh, looks like five, um, and that I can't see effective because I don't do the stat. But um, no. prior to that, Riley uh, was in was on top of him. So it was really only in that last quarter that that Marshall seemed to get on top of him in terms of hitouts. But I agree with you, Maka. He didn't look quite as energetic um, around the ground, in my opinion. No, and what doesn't show in those stats is the handballs that Marshall did out of the out of the ruck as well. He. Uh, a little bit of a Grundy-like uh, type that uh, every so often you just grab it when they've got the bodies uh, in the right position to do so and shoot the handball out. But, um, look, Rob's been fantastic and he's come from nowhere. And uh, But I think that what really showed up in the last, well, certainly in this match, our clearances, we were, we were, we were beaten uh, heavily in the clearances. And we're starting, I, I think we're starting off on the back foot. And uh, whereas J- Jacobs, the one thing he can do is direct the ball. And uh, so if, if this week I, I, I'll stick my neck out and say that I would rest Rob. I'd, um, and I know the saying, you never give a suck an even break, but I would rest Rob and I'd bring Jacobs in. Yeah, I think so. Uh, a lot of people will be cynical about that, but I think that's right, Mac. I think you have to. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he is young. He is tiring, I believe. Uh, there's a couple of... He's got... Like, West Coast next week is going to be a big test for yeah. him. Um, and I, I don't think it would be a bad move to bring Jacobs in at all. No, the other thing too, which the, the boys on the chat quite correctly are stating, um, the way we set up in, in the midfield is quite terrible. And uh, uh, with Godden and Camparelli, they both got to jointly take the blame for that because Campo's the, the, the uh, strategic man. 
Um, well, uh, uh, Nikki, Nikki, I saw Nikki post, and that won't change with Jacobs here. But the one thing, Jacobs can work out, work with a, with a, somebody to work out where to hit it to. Um, with Robert, is that doesn't seem to be an exact science. Oh, look, no, I'll, but, no, Nikki, but you, you've, you've forgotten that what Source has been like towards the end. He was that kind of player. When he had a midfield, he could do that too. When we go back to losing the clearances, everything else, he goes back to hitting directly down at his feet because it is the safest option. We bring in we bring in source. That's what's going to happen is because that midfield is not good enough. We're not going to get those directions. West Coast will just absolutely shark every single one of them because that's a midfield that moves. So he'll go back to, if he does win the taps, it'll just go back to directly down at his feet. That's all he would do because that's the only thing he can do with a midfield that doesn't move. Well, that's not so bad, Nicky. At least you put it on even terms and we, we scrap quite well in those situations. Not lately. <laughs> well, it's true, Mac, not lately. But, but the ball isn't basically at the Ruckman's feet. It's being hit out to a situation where the opposition, if the opposition get they just shoot the handball out and away it goes. Mm. Yep, because they're in front, because we're chasing tail. No, it's like bees of the honeypot. Nobody stays out. Yeah, well, that's true enough too. Um, look, anyway, let's continue on uh, with the head-to-heads. Uh, I felt it was interesting that we still lost the clearances by nine, um, despite you know efforts to the contrary and big statements to the contrary. Uh and part of being interested about that was the fact that they hardly played uh, um, Matty Crouch inside at all. Um, no, he just cruised around. Didn't get a clearance for the game, Matty Crouch. No, he got most of his position just cruising around the ground. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's interesting, Macca. Considering he's our inside ball. I, I actually thought, watching the game, I thought there must have been a directive that the two Crouch boys were not to pass to each other because they really tried hard not to for once, and I think that actually opened up their midfield a bit. I actually felt like Matt Crouch was moving quite freely and he looked yeah. a little bit like that that uh, period during 2017 where his disposals were becoming a little bit more aggressive and decisive. Um, a little bit more Mitchell-like and a little less Crab-like. That, uh, run, that run-down tackle he did in the first quarter, I think kind of got his tail up. Just that defensive action just seemed to get his tail up and it was a lot better game from Matt than what we've seen in a number of weeks. Yeah, so do we persist with Matt on the outside? Is that the answer? Well, it seems to me that they seem to, to shuffle who's in and who's out uh, as different players, different weeks, because uh, sometimes Matty's been the guy in there and sometimes it's been Brad. And um, I don't know. I, look, the, our set-ups set, set set have got me totally beat because it seems to be different people with different responsibilities every time. So, uh, And we get beat most times. Um, I, I just, look, I, it could be we don't have that electric... Uh, pace out of the centre. That's one of the problems we have. And I don't know whether they uh, uh, rotate it for to try and confuse opposition. 
one thing that they that the coach has said that he won't put um, Matt and Brad and Sloan in the centre at the same time. Yeah, but they do that all the time. I, I was about to raise that point. He's come out and said that because they like bees to the honeypot. Because all three are ball hunters, and they do. And, and as you say, they keep saying that uh, they're not going to do it, but they're doing it, and, uh, and they are like bees to the honeypot. It, it might be that the coaches think that's not happening. That's that what the um, instructions are that it doesn't happen. But because you kind of can't get a runner out there um, so much that they just go, "Oh, we're in the middle now," because nah. they want to be in the middle now. No, nah. <laughs> if the, if they lose control of the midfield rotations like that, there's something wrong. Um, and I, I just, I it was noticeable how often we had the two Crouch boys and Sloney in there, um, and. So it just it makes a mockery of what they're actually saying, um, and and often when we did that, that's when we went to that wider triangle mm. kind of setup. So they're actually starting a couple of meters off from the center circle. These are not the guy. Well, Sloney Sloney's probably the only one who can do that run through. Even though he doesn't have the pace, he does have a bit more of the nous than the other two. But yes, that was. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, we lost, oh, sorry, we won the rebound 50s by nine and lost the inside 50s by seven, which is probably indicative of the game. I felt like at the, I felt like St Kilda had a lot of chances and the ball was played in their back half uh, quite regularly. Um, so we seemed at times to be quite content just to bounce off half-back rather than push forward too much, although that changed, I felt, in the second half. Yeah, well, I can't argue what you said there, Pete. I agree with that. Hmm, Thanks, mate. Um, Look, clearances as well. uh, Sorry, contested possessions as well was down. Um, Another one where you kind of think, well, for all the talk about contested contested ball... um, it still wasn't right. Well, I did think at least the effort was a lot better. I, I still think I'd like to see how. I don't know what you think about this, Fiend, but I think that I don't know whether we do have a tackling coach or whether there's such a thing in in the AFL that people that teams have a tackling coach. But we could certainly do with one because there were so many arm tackles that got brushed aside. We're talking about contested one... possessions. What are you talking about tackles for? I thought you, oh, sorry, I thought you said tackles. Uh, contested possessions. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but you tackle when you're contesting, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. it's a different stat. Um, we okay. look. We Fair ended time. up. We ended up um, pretty pretty much breaking even on contested possessions. Um, we were one down in the end on contested ball, uh, so that's not a big deal. Um, and there were times during the game where we were up. Uh, a little bit, but certainly in that last quarter when the wits were cracking, it was a very even um, stat. Um, it wavered between uh, the two teams having a, a slight upper hand. So, and considering St Kilda's midfield, um, and considering you know their their outs and and the position they are on the ladder, I, I felt like it was an area that we might have dominated. And uh, so I'm still a little bit lukewarm on our midfield despite the win. Oh, a couple of the midfielders have been in very good form. Uh, Billings has been had a very good year as a yep. midfielder, yep. and Ross is a, a very, very good player in the midfield as well. Um, mm. 
But they don't so, bat deep. They don't bat deep. No, that's the one thing they don't. Yeah. They've, got, they've got two or three uh, top uh, midfielders, and as you say, they, then the rest make, sort of make it up. Yeah. I mean, they, they do have some other good ones that could have gone through there, but they're out either um, through injury or some some long-term illness issues. Yeah, yeah. that's true, Nick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, look, we did reasonably well around stoppage, 23 to 27, but... Uh, we got towed up probably because of the ruck advantage, I reckon, in the centre clearance. Yeah, we yeah. we we still did that. We let them set too many behind the ball, and so their quick handball was very much straight to that. Where they actually had, they didn't just have one loose out the back; they had a number who could then spread, provide blocks, and then just get that yeah. that nice kick forward. We did kind of work towards fixing that, rectifying it actually manning up on them a bit better um, as the game wore on. But that's still something that's always our Achilles heel is we let them have that um, spot out the back. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird setup that we have in the middle. It really is. I, I can't quite work it out. Uh, Rosie, be happy we had 17 tackles inside 50 to 6 um, despite <clears throat> you know having a different forward setup. Um, so at least there was some intent there in the forward line. But again... I reckon, I reckon there's a relationship between how the ball comes in uh, and how much pressure we can actually put it put on up forward. And how much? And how much? Yeah, well, you're right, but that also then uh, is determined by if say the ball comes in high, how much it's contested. Like uh, with JJ there, the ball was coming out very easily because there was very little contest. For, a for the ball in the air, which uh, at least Fog and Walker both do. And secondly, um, uh, whether whether they were on their own, and whether you know whether Jenkins has left his man, whether uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's making that, getting that wrong isn't what I'm saying because he's not a defender. But he's often JJ's man would mark the ball unopposed. That's more, uh, more the point that I was making. Mm. And but also what that is, Macker, is it's the way we structure up our forward line when he plays. Because, as Fien has pointed out, he needs a lot of space because he doesn't know how to work through congestion to find that free area or to do those double back leads to create that space. So we tend to have a lot more open forward line. So it's normally just him and a defender and maybe another one or two down there. But with Fogg, with Walker, with Lynch, um, and when Himmelberg was in there, that they know how to lead through the space, how to create that space for their other forwards to then use, except for Matt Crouch kicking to Tex, who's actually leading, being the decoy leading out to the pocket, of course, gets marked by Tex's man. Um, but that's what it is, is we have a different structure of a forward line when you have players who know how to play as a forward. And that brings more players into that area, which makes it easier to tackle. Yeah, I think you summed it up very well there, Nikki. And that, that's um, in a much more precise way, I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, so we saw a couple of different game styles during the course of the evening. It, it, certainly in the first half, we very much wanted to um, maintain possession. Um, you know, it was very much about chippy-chippy around the place to the extent that the, uh, the, the faithful who turned up, all 39,000 of them, uh, didn't like proceedings and 
gave a few boos. It's not often you hear the Crows crowd booing the Crows team, but uh, they didn't like what they were seeing. I, I felt like well, after... Part of, I'll just say on that, so one of the moments uh, there was a guy near us who quite rightly was abusing the hell out of the team when it happened because we switched the ball and he just started... But the midfield and the forwards didn't run across hard enough for the switch. So we then had to switch back the other way. And, you know, the guy in the crowd is just yelling out, you know, if you want to switch, you have to work for it. You have to run. And they weren't doing it. And for a lot of us watching it, that switch had happened because we'd had a nice free player, but we were too slow. And that's where the frustration of the crowd was coming in because we could see there was a great lead from Fog or from Tex, but it just wasn't being honoured. You know, I think it's laziness. There doesn't seem to be enough intent. You watch some of these teams that are really good at exposing the fat side of the ground, and they're taking off. Like There's three or four really hard leads um, going. And the other thing that that does, and I think it's it's a knock-on effect, of our laziness is because they're leading so hard to the fat side, it actually opens up the corridor a little bit and often teams will switch back into the middle and they'll have a bit of space because, uh, you know, the, the opposition have been dragged wide, you know, chasing leads out to the wing. We don't do that. So we're quite happy just to make sure there's a bloke there to take the switch, but we don't really move hard enough for the next possession. So we end up sort of either kicking down the line or going back the other way. And it doesn't seem to me that we work hard enough to to open up the corridor. And we actually had a lot of the time, we were actually yelling to kick it through the middle because St Kilda had given us the space. Mm. And all that needed was somebody to lead into there. They Where they had set up, they weren't close enough to intercept. Yeah. Um, we just weren't smart enough. Looks like Mac has gone. <laughs> I don't he's know where he's gone away from us. Yeah, it just you and me. He'll be back. Uh, yeah, so I, I agree. I, I don't think we work hard enough um, at all. Uh, it's shown by that stat that Fox put up a couple of weeks ago about us being the least, uh, the, the lowest club in terms of uh, metres covered, ground covered um, GPS-wise. Um, and it, it, you can see it just with the plain eye. We just don't work hard enough, yeah. anywhere near as hard. And that's okay if you are going to play a style of football um, that um, that relies on, you know, Pikey's fam- famous, you know, territory gain and locking it in and all the rest of it. I, I strongly think that Pikey think that's a more sustainable um, game plan and it's a more suitable game plan for our list and he's probably right because we don't have a lot of speed in, our, in on our list um, but I just don't think it's going to stand up against the quick teams I, I you know uh, good teams are going to like Richmond and West Coast are going to be able to absorb that I believe um, and then just burn us going back the other way so and we've seen that our, our defence collectively works very well but uh, when they're caught one out it's just the same as any other defence they're, they're not going to win too many because it's just impossible yep anyway let's go, let's go through some individuals shall we uh, Lady, I thought um, 
returned to form a little bit. Uh, 17 and 21 for 38, took 12 marks, uh, one tackle, uh, eight rebound 50s. He uh, had 12 contested possessions, went at 76%, uh, nine score involvements and 421 metres gained with 12 intercepts. More the kind of uh, game that we have come to expect from Rory. A lot better from him. Still did one hell of a blue um, after Kelly had done some amazing, amazing defensive work. And... for some explicable reason, Lely running back with the ball instead of picking it up, even though he's running back towards their goals, instead of him picking it up and he had some players behind him that he could have dished out to, he elected to turn around and then attempt to pick it up, which got him tackled. Um, But overall, a lot, lot better game, much closer to his All-Australian year um, style that he was playing. Uh, Not so many high kicks, up in the air as well. A lot better um, going on from him. One thing you can can count on him, though, is that when the chips are down, he'll give 100% and uh, generally perform pretty well under those circumstances. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not prepared to call Lady back in form, but uh, it was certainly a welcome return to something like how we know he can play. Matty Crouch, I thought, was excellent. 16 and 19 for 35, had six marks, three tackles, five inside 50s. Uh, got forward a little bit and kicked two goals, uh, which we don't often see from Matt. Eight, only eight contested possessions, um, 24 effective disposals out of his uh, 38 or whatever it was, so just under the 70%. Uh, nine score involvements, 343 metres gained, which again is a high number for Matt. Um, so a, a different role, noticeably different role from Matt. Yes. And I felt as the game wore on, he grew into the role uh, a little bit better. Yeah, I think you're quite right. And I think he's going to be very, very good in that role. And I think that's probably where he's heading there too, Fee, and well picked up. And that, that one of those goals he kicked was actually off his non-preferred, that snap. Um, and it was a really nice piece of play that was um, that was going on there. I quite liked the way he was playing and the fact that he has those metres gained because he wasn't doing the little dinky handball to his brother. <laughs> they do like that, don't they? Yeah, well, uh, and it's to they their detriment. They told not to. It's to their detriment sometimes. Uh, they need to get over that. This is not schoolyard footy or backyard footy. Now, interested to see what you think about Bryce's game. He had 19 and 10 for 29 uh, posses, five marks, five tackles, four inside 56 clearances. Um, He uh, had 10 contested possessions, but only 18 of his disposals were effective, uh, 62%. um, Gained his 332 metres, but turned the ball over six times directly along with those uh, ineffective disposals. Oh, yeah, we, I'm not. We had a good. Dis- sorry, Fee. Yeah, and no, I just, I'm on the fence about Bryce. I'm, I'm actually quite happy that he was back in the team, um, and some of his foot skills were really good. But I agree with you, Macca. He, he's so slow, and not only just in terms of his pace, but also it seems to be in terms of his thought process. There's no doubt he slowed down. Um, he never was a lightning quick player, but he always had very good um, 
brain reflexes in the sense of working out what to do to overcome that. But uh, unfortunately, the Bryce Gibbs Gibbs that we traded for was not the the Bryce Gibbs that's playing in the Crows uh, jumper this year. Um, He was as slow as treacle in the first uh, half of the game. And I was talking to my son about this very particular thing, and uh, he said Gibbs was pretty good in the second half, and that's because the rest of the players had slowed down to his level. And, <laughs> and I think that's actually right. When you think about it, most of his errors were in the first half when he was get, when he got caught and he was doing uh, little dribbly kicks and, uh, because he couldn't get balanced enough to do a proper kick. But I thought his second half was better than his first, and I think my son did hit it on the head that it's because the others slowed down to his pace rather than him uh, picking up any pace. So, yeah, look, he did justify being in the side, but um, star player, no, he's not that. He seemed to be playing more of a defensive role uh, as such in the midfield, and I, I think where he's gone on this year, that's probably the best for him. Um, and, uh, you're right, Macca, when it, once everybody else started to slow down, then he, he came a little bit more into it. Um I think he got he got some quite high dream team points or something ridiculous like that, and I still don't quite understand how. Um, Just sheer possessions. Yeah, that's what it boiled down to. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. That's why I don't like those dream team things sometimes. So just it, yeah, it just it's not football. You can have as many possessions as you like. I understand what you're saying, Nicky, but he still did get it 29 times, whether he did uh, a lot with it or not. Some players never get it at all. Uh, so he did have the talent to be in the right spot to get the ball 29 times. The lack of pace meant that, as Fien quite correctly said, he went at 62%. And you'd, you'd like somebody like uh, Kibbs to go like 70, between 70 and 80 at worst, because mm. uh, we know that he's got that talent to do that, but his lack of pace, I think, prevents him from doing that, particularly early in the game. Yep, yeah, I don't disagree at all, Mac. Uh, I look, I want there to be a spot for him. I think his best is valuable. Um, but gee whiz, I, he needs he needs to regain that yard, and, and his mental capacity needs to increase because at the moment he just doesn't seem to be able to think through situations very quickly. Um, Bradley Crouch also interested in your thoughts there. Fourteen and fifteen for twenty nine, three marks, seven tackles, seven clearances. Um, he went at sixty nine percent disposal with fourteen contested possessions. Um, five. Uh, his clearances included two centre and five stoppage clearances, five score involvements. Meh. Oh, yeah, okay. it was all right. Yeah, I think the, the yeah, I think the meh is probably about right. It's uh, a lot better than what we've seen. His intensity and his desire to do defensive work. The way it was really obvious. Yeah, and. And it was great to actually see him working on it and being quite active about it and not dropping his bundle like we've seen. Mm. So, I thought he could still improve in that area, Nicky. Um, oh, definitely. Because I, I thought overall, you know, he got a tick for a lot, a lot of the parts of his game. Um, and uh, uh, his, his uh, 
efficiency rating was up with his uh, disposal. Uh, he did put on seven tackles. Uh, he got the ball 29 times. Some of it was good, some of it was bad. But I still think he could work harder going backwards, and I think that applies to all of our midfielders. Yeah, I agree, Mac. I agree. I, you know, I hate to be constantly critical of Brad, um, but I still see a lot of panic disposal. I still see a lot of um, oh, just laziness. I guess you'd say. Um, I wouldn't call him lazy. It's a question of maybe not making Brad Crouch. Yeah, you wouldn't call him lazy. Are you kidding? No, I, I'm not kidding. I don't think he's lazy. Yeah, so, he is. Also, run, not running defensively is not laziness. What is it? Well, it's a mindset thing, really. I think, in the sense of uh, how you how you play the game, and and it's a weakness in his game. You don't think it's laziness? That's laziness. Yeah. Well, you can argue that it's lazy, but if that's the case, they're all lazy because I don't think we work hard enough the wrong way. No, the well, whole midfield. Yeah, well, he's an integral part of the midfield, so. Uh, no, I'm not excusing him from it, not at all. I'm uh, actually critical of, of that particular area of his game. Yeah, I, I'm not sure whether it's laziness either, but uh, it certainly looks like it. <laughs> it certainly looks like it to me, Mac. You call it more indifference rather than lazy, but anyway, maybe. Well, it is well lazy, indifference right? is indifference is somewhat worse. Because laziness is like a character trait, but indifference is a is a decision. <laughs> that's a decision not to give a shit. <laughs> yeah, and that's even so, worse. Yeah. Anyway, we won't dwell on that. Uh, Rory Sloan, I thought played pretty well, even though his possessions were down a little bit. Twelve and eleven for twenty three. Took nine marks, six tackles, three inside fifties, two clearances, uh, one rebound, fifty. He had eight contested possessions, went at just under seventy percent. Uh, four score involvements turned it over a little bit, um, but I, I just felt like it, I felt like Sloney was very engaged in proceedings. It's a good summary because it wasn't one of his great games, um, but he was totally involved in it. Um, a lot of things didn't go his way. He was actually uh, minded pretty closely as well. Um, he had Steele uh, tagging, and Steele is a very good tagger, by the way. He's one of the best two or three uh, taggers in the competition. And I believe that's one of our weaknesses, not having a tagger, but that's a, a different story. Um, well, we do. We I just do. don't use him. Yeah. Who's that? Riley Knight. Oh, yes. Well, they certainly wasn't using that role. No. Um, but, we allowed, but, yeah, we allowed poor old Sloney to uh, have steel tagging him and... Uh, uh, but one thing about Sloan is even when he is being tagged, he, uh, unlike when he was in the early days when he was getting tagged, he was almost out of the game when he was being tagged. But you'd have to say he still was involved in this game and he, that he did contribute, uh, particularly uh, when it was needed. And he does give 100%. He's a good guy. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, Brody, I, I don't want to go through everyone, but Brody, I thought played well. I thought Lynchy played well. Um, I thought big to both. Yeah, yeah. I thought, as you mentioned earlier, Nick, I thought DMAC had a good game. Um, Did uh, I thought our backs five, apart from Hardigan. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the laugh coming. 
<laughs> Honestly, I mean, that is one of the worst games I've yeah. ever seen a defender play. And look, I know it's, I know calling the lobotomy kid and all that sort of stuff, but 14 Dream Team points is a fair reflection of his game. That That is on the hopeless, pathetic side of things. And no, no, no. Uh, I'm not going to let you hang shit on Kyle if you're not going to let yeah. me hang shit on Brad. Uh, honestly, um, no, it's one of the worst defence games I've ever seen. And um, I know that Kyle's capable of much, much better than that. But Did you see he, him get injured in the first five minutes? I saw the ankle lift that, and he went and got a hat at strap, yep. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't believe – I just think that he was uh, – it really, it really did hamper him, Macca. I'm not going to give that excuse. No, you could actually see at the ground when he was trying to run, there was very much a noticeable limp. Memory, he normally would have memory absolutely covered in terms of his pace, and he just couldn't go with him because the ankle just was, he just couldn't do it. Nikki, um, when you start off five to ten metres beyond, you never will catch him. Uh, no, a lot of the times he wasn't. He was actually on with him, but um, whilst memory is quick, we know Kyle is also very quick and well, can normally go with him, but he just couldn't. Oh, memory would just you, Nikki, run away from it. They actually often did start together. I was watching. I can assure you, Nikki, that Hardigan didn't run any slower on TV than he did in on the ground when you, where, you, where you were watching. So, But I think he gave him too much of a start and whether his ankle had been... But his ankle was strapped, and I didn't, I didn't think he was suffering any major loss of pace. I just think he was just giving him too much of a start. Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, he, he, was like massively, he was massively suffering a loss of pace. And I, we know how fast Hardigan can be. One thing you may or may not have seen at the ground, Nicky, was some of his uh, teammates having a crack at him about getting a bit closer to him. Mm. Uh, there's no doubt an ankle can affect you in terms of your first five metres, Mac, um, because you just haven't got that push-off. Uh, but I'll agree with you. It wasn't Kyle's best night. Um, so, you know, he's going to have to bounce back from that because uh, we're going to need him against West Coast. He c- we can't drop him. Yeah. Um, and he's just going to have to lift. Um, look, uh, we've talked about Riley O'Brien. Uh, I thought Eddie was lively um, and obviously with his three goals contributed. I thought Tex was uh, lively with his four was excellent. Uh, Good game. And certainly benefited from Fogarty in the team. Darcy, even though nice. he got the nice uh, uh, the nine uh, disposals, took five goals, hit the scoreboard with that fantastic goal. Uh, also had five inside 50s, um, which, you know, uh, was pretty good. What do you think of Dougie's game? I, I felt like I, that's probably the most engaged and intense that I've seen Richard Douglas for quite some time. Uh, yes, and Reasonable comment, reasonable comment. Uh, that's not to say he had a great game and there were patches of the game where he stunk it up completely but um, I don't think it was his worst game and uh, I think he uh, certainly has been given uh, well it appears to me that he's been given an ultimatum if we're going to play in the the ones you're going to have to contribute we saw him in the midfield a few times um, as well he seemed to spend a little bit less time up forward. Um, so I wasn't unhappy with Dougie's game, despite at times him, as I said, stinking it up. I thought he certainly did. He probably did enough. I wouldn't have chosen him in the first place, and I'll be very honest no, about I that. No, I agree. I agree. But having said that, he probably did enough to hold his spot. And 
it was an interesting situation because every time I was about to criticise him for not doing enough, he'd do something he, uh, yeah, which was reasonably yeah. important. So yeah. um, he did. Ch- he kept chipping in with bits and pieces that, uh, when you added it all up, were pretty reasonable, and he'll probably hold his spot as a result of that. He was a lot more composed than what he has been. Yeah, he didn't do some of those really erratic Dougie things that he can do. Yeah, he was... Uh, okay, I'll reword that too. He's more consistently composed. Because well. <laughs> um, we know he can do some really good stuff and then he has Dougie brain veins. And, and I think um, to... But I, it just was a lot more consistent. I, I think to round off that conversation, it segues into into my final observation on the game in that... Players performed well under solid pressure but against a team that didn't really have a lot of class. So they got a lot of looks at it, Adelaide, um, because St Kilda gave it back to them quite regularly. Um, St Kilda didn't move the ball decisively. They were Their, their hand skills and their foot skills were average. Um, they didn't make the most of their opportunities up forward at times. So we got a lot of second chances, I felt, in the run of play. Um, and so a bloke like Richard Douglas can benefit from that because he's got the opportunity to make up for a stuff-up without it hurting on the scoreboard. Uh, and that's probably my only negative uh, regarding the win because a win is always good. Uh, but I, I certainly don't think it, it was indicative of a team that had turned anything around, if you know what I mean. Uh, we the, the team that St Kilda put on the park... It should have been close for a half and then we should have won by 50 points. Uh, and the fact that they stayed with us and in the game for as long as they did and really only tied, you know, just through weight of turnovers in the end, St Kilda, uh, I think it is more an indictment on our current form than anything else. I think if you're totally honest about our current form, though, Fiend, um, we're a team that we're playing at the level of maybe scraping into the eight and we may or may not, and that's about what we are at the moment. That's what our performances say that we have been, and uh, I think we performed at that level, and St Kilda, who are sitting just outside the eight, um, they performed at that level too, and that's the game we got, and I think we uh, probably, you know, um, I don't know that we've got much more in the tank, and I don't know that they've got much more in the tank, and I think that's what we got. For me, it was we know there's issues with our team. For some of those issues, we're still treading water on them. We didn't take a step forward. There were some other areas where we took some small steps forward. And overall, that's how I, I saw the game, that there were some good signs, but there were still only some small steps. And for our future, we need to make bigger steps and we're not at that level yet. Well, honestly, think though, Nikki, if we're totally honest with ourselves, our we have stuffed up as a club. We've stuffed up. Uh, we had the premiership window open, wide open in 2017. Uh, in 2018, we just made sure internally that we couldn't be involved in it. And now that we're in 2019, I think that uh, premiership window is well and truly closed. And uh, I would hope that at the end of this year, um, it's not a major rebuild, but it's a, a situation of recognising where we actually are and where we actually sit in the AFL and make sure that we uh, trade and recruit and uh, 
play youngsters as well at the same time. So to get ourselves to a stage that we can be a team that's, that's got a future down the track that has a possibility of winning a flag because with the team we're currently playing, we haven't. Well, you contradicted yourself there, Macca, and, and I, this is where I disagree with you because I think it, it is time for a major rebuild. I think we have wrung the life out of this squad. Uh, you know, in terms of the core 25-odd players, I think we've wrung the life out of them. Um, I don't think we're getting a premiership out of Tex Walker, Rory Sloan, uh, the Crouch brothers, uh, you know, Daniel Talia. I see um, where you're coming from, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I just don't think so. Um, and I think if, if we're to uh, push our way back up the ladder... I think it's going to be one or two steps backwards in order to go forwards again. Um, oh, definitely. definitely. You know, so, uh, and it's probably why I'm a bit, uh, I don't want to, as much as I love Brody Grundy, I don't want to spend any picks on him. He's a restricted free agent next year anyway. Um, yeah. I don't want to spend any picks on him, uh, irrespective of the pick that we end up from Carlton. We need to we need to regenerate, and I think, you know, if this is a, if this is a, a club that is giving its last hurrah to some players, uh, then so be it, because I don't think we're going to make a dent in the finals if we if we make the eight. Um, no. You know, we're likely no, to, we're likely to play a Richmond or a Collingwood or someone like that in the first week, and we'll just get pumped. Um, so, yeah, I, and it'll be one of those situations I think where we're going to have to be active in, on the trade table in order to maximise the value of certain players. Josh Jenkins is one that immediately comes to mind. He'd obviously be a great fit at Gold Coast. Uh, he might want to go to a Melbourne club, in which case I think he'd be a great fit at the club that we played on Saturday night, uh, St Kilda. Yep. Um, I don't think he'd mind being in the Melbourne uh, media. He likes it over there, and media is obviously where he sees his long-term future. So Josh is... Uh, the obvious one I, I think we have to have a strong look at our midfield mix uh, and none of these are revelations we all know this you know we need to inject some pace and actually stick with certain players Jordan Gallucci uh, needs to be played or else he needs to be traded in my opinion uh, because there's no reason on do you think we would have done any worse with Jordan Gallucci in the team on Saturday night instead of Richard Douglas no not at all I think we actually would have done better. Possibly. So the fact that Jordan Gallucci is not getting picked um, is an indictment on his development now. He's been on the list now for a couple of years and, you know, I, I don't see why he's not in the team. Um, you know, everyone else from that draft year has played a number of games, uh, you know, in that, in that first round uh, and he hasn't. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan Gallucci go back to Melbourne um, and I could see someone like a Carlton being interested in Jordan Gallucci, um, you know. And then, we, and then we've got to talk about the Crouch Boys. You know, well, it, I, I I think the Crouch Boys could be around you know, long enough because they're, because they're relatively young still, and um, they could be in around when we have good years. Um, I, I would keep them, but in terms of Ben Davison has mentioned the ones that I would be looking at trading Greenwood. I think, unfortunately, he has to go and we'll get something, perhaps a good second rounder for him. I can Jenkins see, and, you know, I can see Sydney being in, interested in Huey Greenwood. Yep. Uh, Jenkins, Atkins, 
Knight. He's nominated those four. I was going to nominate all of those four myself. And I don't know whether you've got anybody you'd like to add to it. Yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think Knight gets traded for much. So in terms of currency, I don't I don't I don't, I don't I don't think we get much for Knight. So, you know, we might be prepared to take a late third rounder, but that's all we're going to get. Um, Jenkins, I think, will get some decent coin. I think Huey, we might get a, a low second or a high third for. He just hasn't been consistent enough. Um, but the Crouch boys, um, Macca, are where there's going to be some currency. Again, I could see Sydney being interested in one of the Crouch boys because of the, the size of their ground and how important it is uh, for a distributor in that team. Um, but do you split the Crouch boys up? I wouldn't. No, no, seriously, I wouldn't because um, while I, I, I want to see a rebuild, I also want to have something to rebuild around as well to, to help the young lads so they don't look like they, they are Gold Coast. Yeah, no, look, that's fine. Um, but, you know, obviously we're going we're gonna to stick with Tex. We're going to have Himmelberg and Fogarty uh, as key posts next year. Um, yeah, Tex goes out to a, either pocket or a flank, and uh, Himmelberg yeah. uh, full forward, and uh, Fogarty sent half forward, and those two guys would also interchange back and forth. Yeah, played Lynch and, uh, uh, as Texas lead ups, maybe. Um, yeah. In terms of the midfield, you know, we do have Brody Smith, who I think has shown enough to remain in the midfield. Um, Definitely. As part of Definitely. that mix, and he is certainly a senior player. I think Paul Seisman, when fit, is certainly uh, our, our first choice. 22 player, first 22 player um, and I would certainly have him on Atkins uh, wing uh, perhaps with Miller on the other side but yeah, I, that's not a bad balance yeah, yeah um, because we've got Tom coming back next season obviously so that's a halfback spot, I'd be playing Bryce Gibbs off halfback, I think the midfield experiment is done and I think just you play Bryce off halfback. You know he can play off halfback. He's done so for a long time at Carlton. Uh, we just accept that he's not quick enough to play in the midfield, Macca. But his foot skills, again, with the ball coming at him, I think are valuable. Actually, his uh, best years at Carlton, when I was reflecting upon it, were really when he was playing in the back lines. And because uh, of a generally under attack, uh, he was playing at the loose man in defence. And... Um, he had a good ability to read the play and he was uh, also then a good use of the ball coming out. And I think you're right. I think he he goes back. Yeah, particularly if we lose Kelly, um, which, you know, there's been a few whispers about him wanting to go back to Collingwood. Um, but I think having Gibbs back there might uh, also help Alex Keith if we decide to hang on to Alex Keith. I think if we decide to get rid of Alex Keith, which in my opinion would be a massive, massive mistake, um, well, a major mistake in my oh, opinion. Because huge mistake. He, well, not only is he uh, probably all Australian uh, for the position that he holds in defence. Well, probably not, all, probably not now. Probably not now, but he tailed off. Probably a couple of games out of it now. Yeah. But uh, but he was playing at that level and then um, before injury. And um, the, the good thing about him, he's, in his, when his junior career, he was a forward. And so he understands it. And I would think that, you know, if I was coaching the team and we're having troubles up forward, I'd often swing him up forward because yeah. he um, he would be able to lead. He can take over head marks. I'm surprised it hasn't happened at AFL level, Mac. I really I'm, am. Yeah. 
Totally it, ha- it has it has in the SNFL and yeah, he's very good at it. Yeah, I know. That's why, you know, when our forward line's been struggling, I've, I've been surprised that they haven't thrown Keithy down there for 10 minutes. Uh, my fear with Alex Keith is that Justin Reid sees a very large money ball opportunity to convert a Cat B rookie into a potentially a first-round draft pick. That's my, well, that's my concern, um, and I think it would be a mistake. I think because it would be a major we, mistake. We need that depth in the back lines. Yes, exactly. I mean, we've, we've got some nice ones coming through, but they're very, very young. Well, and they're not um, keys. They're not keys. No, only, only Geordie Butts, no. and he's, he's about 12 years old. So, I mean... Yeah, and he's a rookie. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, my fear is that um, Reed is going to try and be a bit cute uh, and cash in, which is obviously what we did with um, Charlie last season. Uh, so I'm, I wouldn't be in favour of that. But, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a very long-winded answer, Macca, to the question. And I think, you know, to sum it up, I think there's enough scope for us to regenerate our list fairly quickly. Um, and I think, to be perfectly honest with you, we should be relying on Hamish to be able to talent spot, to be able to get this list re- refurbished as quickly as we possibly can. And we need to give him as many draft opportunities as possible in order to be able to do that. Yeah, well, I think that's unarguable and uh, totally support that comment. And the only way we're going to do that is, unfortunately, we do have to give away some talent. If Keith has to go, and because um, we uh, in the chat they're pointing out that he is 27, coming up 28 next year, or maybe even turn 28, um, but I do think, though, that against that, he's a young 28 in the sense that he hasn't been playing the physical game of football as an adult. And uh, so his body probably can probably go another four or five years at least. So that's, I think, what you've got to weigh up. Um, and it would take a very, very good deal, to, in my mind, to, to part with him. I'd rather keep him. I mean, you've got him, Talia and Dode in the back line. You've got a very, very good base to work on. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it, so it'll be very interesting. There's, you know, I mean, this has been a massive couple of weeks for the club. They're under a lot of pressure, um, as you know, they should be. As they should be, and we have to thank uh, everyone who supported um, the petition that we put up. Or really, it's more of an open letter, really, to the club that we put up. We've had over 550 signatures uh, on that open letter. I'll probably leave it open for another couple of weeks um, because I doubt that anything's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, anyway. Um, but uh, we might send it to the club uh, sort of round about the last round or maybe between the last round and the, and the finals. So, you know, there's a PDF version of the petition or the open letter uh, that you can download if if you've uh, got some people at work or some mates uh, who aren't online or whatever to get some signatures. And if you do that, you can email that PDF to petition at com. Um, or else just keep spreading the word if spread it share it on all your socials uh, on Twitter on Facebook and whatnot um, just make people aware there's a lot of crow supporters out there who don't use social media who are I mean we only had to look at the crowd I know it was St Kilda uh, but it was a Saturday night it was a fine Saturday night it was the opportunity to see the crows uh, win a game of football uh, and we had less than 40,000 do you think that's a coincidence? No, I don't think it is. And look, it's been a week in which uh, the club, we had uh, 2018, the club was built from pillar to post by the media. 
and we've managed to get ourselves back into that situation again where the media are just bashing us and belting us and we've got the spin doctors out there trying to spin it and rather than do something realistic about it. Um, I think they will be pressured into, into doing getting an external review thing. If they don't, I won't be renewing my membership, I promise you that. I well, won't why, be why wouldn't you renew your membership? I'm not going to support a club. So, well, talk me through that. Well, I've been an inaugural member. Uh, 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 we've been through a lot of shit at the Adelaide Football Club in the sense that we're a club that we won premierships in 2000, sorry, 1997, 1998, and that's 21 years ago. And we've had probably three opportunities for it to win premiership since and blown it. And at the moment, the way that the, it's more my not renewing it would be a protest against what the way the way the administration is running this organisation. They're making sure it can't succeed, and because of the fact that you've got. And I've said it many times, a dickhead in Burton running, he's the top football man. Have compare him to people in other clubs. I mean, just, he's just, there's no comparison. And then you've got, he brought his mate, Matt, Matt Haas, who broke Brisbane down. And yeah, so we've, so we, so we know all of those things, Macca, but I, yeah, what but, I'm interested in unless knowing. Unless the club does something about it. Yeah. Instance and, and acknowledges it's got a problem with these people. Yeah. It's got a problem with its coaches. It's got a problem even with Fagan himself. And then unless they're prepared to get somebody outside who will look at them with honest, open eyes, and we know what they're looking at and what the brief is, and we get also get the end result given to us as well. I don't want to be part of it because yeah. I've had. I'm I'm one of the people that wasn't there on Saturday night, and I. I haven't been going a lot this year because, in fact, my health hasn't been all that good, as you know. Um, but by the same token, uh, I was healthy enough to go on Saturday night and I wouldn't go. Um, and I've had a gut full of them. I really have had a gut full of them. And it starts at the top and it's, it spreads down to the rest of the football department, Bar Ogilvy and his people. Um, and I'm not happy with the rest of it at all. If, uh, Don Pike, I'm, I'm perplexed. I don't know what to really to make of him because if I was in his position surrounded by the dickheads that he is, I would find it very hard to be a good coach as well. Yeah, I, look, I'm not encouraging anyone to, to forego their memberships because I know how difficult it is to get a, a membership to the Adelaide Crows. Uh, I know how valuable the seats are. Um, and this administration is not going to be around forever, Mac. Um, what we're trying to do is precipitate change or facilitate change or, you know, or, you know, give give the club a nudge in terms of maybe being a little bit more introspective. Um, no, I've had enough. But, I really well, and, and that's and I, I under, I, that's your prerogative, uh, but I don't want it to be seen that the the Crowcast is encouraging people nothing to share it. Nothing to do with the Crowcast. Yeah. No, no. Nothing to do with Crowcast. Yeah. That's just me over the years mm. just this resentment of our own ability to destroy our opportunities to win flags. But but what I was leading yeah. to, Macca, is the fact that you, you can keep your memberships, but uh, the best way, the best way to send a message to the footy club, uh, the way, the, the, the key stat that we know that they take uh, notice of is bums on seats. It's it's, on. it's engagement. Uh, Andrew loves that word engagement. He tracks it. Uh, it tracks everything with regards to engagement. If he sees their YouTube views down, if he sees their socials down, if he sees attendances down, um, 
that's going to be when the when the little red alarm in his office goes off. Well, and for me, I actually know somebody, um, a teammate of mine. Her mother uh, actually has a corporate box, and she elected not to use it this week. So the club has the money from that, but what they have is the the loss of those corporate not going. So she didn't invite anybody else. She didn't even open up to anybody else in the company. It was like nobody is going. It's just not happening this week because of how annoyed she was. Now, she's still likely to get do that corporate box again next year, but it's that same thing. It's the bums on seats, fate. Yeah. It, it really is, and that's where – and because what it, will do, what it does is it hits the SMA, they don't get the people spending the money. Yeah. Now we've and got if to they wind- don't have that, that puts pressure on. That's right. Now we've got to wind up because it's an hour and a half again. But I will, I will just let people know uh, at the end here that we did actually um, approach. Uh, well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, Ian Shuttleworth from the club let me know that, um, or he apologised uh, because of the obvious busy week that they had last week. He had um, uh, not been able to green light um, the answers to the questions that we put to the club a few weeks ago. So I'm not hopeful that we're going to have that green light by Tuesday. Um, it's fast losing its relevance, and I can only apologise that, but it, it, I did give the club an undertaking that I would give them uh, vetting rights, and I can't go back on that. So as much as I'm disappointed that it's taken this long for those to come back, um, I can't do anything about it. But regardless of how relevant they are, as soon as they come back to the cast... Uh, we will play our short interview with Andrew and discuss the answers that the club provides. You don't think it's got anything to do with the actions that Crowcast has done at all? No, I don't think so, Macker. I think like Ian had undertaken to get them back to me last week, and obviously yep. last week the shit hit the fan. So, given well, that did. given that those answers needed to be answered by uh, those questions needed to be answered by blokes like Andrew Fagan and Nigel Smart. Um, and a couple of others, um, you know, it's not. It does. It didn't surprise me anyway when I got the email, and it was good of them to actually keep me updated. On the other hand, we approached um, member elected representative board board director um, Kim Ryder, and Kim was nice enough to accept my message and said to me that he had to clear it with the club. Um, I. Subsequent to that, asked Ian Shuttleworth whether we could have clearance to have Kim Ryder on the show on Tuesday night, and uh, we were firmly declined on the basis that uh, it's against policy um, for board directors to be given media time unless they're actually, you know, have media responsibilities. So, unfortunately, we're not able to have a chat with Kim. Uh, it's nothing against Kim um, because he obviously has to do what the club tells him to do, but I must say. I must say I'm a little bit disappointed that the club couldn't facilitate um, the member-elected board member engaging with fans to some degree. I have to agree with you, I would have thought that uh, given the fact of all the negative publicity that's around the place at the moment, creating a bit of good publicity would, be, would have been a good thing. And as, as Ben Davison just pointed out in the chat, the member-elected board member can't speak to the members. So why are they there? They are supposed to be our voice. If they are our voice, we need to be able to either have a dialogue with them to raise any issues we wish or we feel that we're passionate about, 
but also for them to talk back to us to say, even if it, we do know it's possibly likely to be completely written by the club and not them, um, because you do understand, I understand that from a board perspective, but at least having a little bit of two-way dialogue. Otherwise, why even bother having the role? Well, it does smack of tokenism a little bit, Nikki, doesn't it? And uh, I must reiterate that this is not against Kim at all. I, I know that Kim is open to correspondence, um, but obviously that's a bit different to coming on record onto a podcast or a radio show or something like that. So, you know, Kim, I know, will accept emails, he'll accept messages on Twitter, etc., etc. Uh, and if you feel strongly, uh, I'd suggest that uh, people... Um, get in touch with Kim. He's very gracious and he's very forthcoming with regards to his engagement, but he, unfortunately, um, it's club's policy that he can't do that publicly. It is disappointing. I would have liked perhaps for Kim to come on the cast maybe with Ian alongside or maybe with some pre-approved questions or something uh, just, yeah. to, just to give Kim some credibility and uh, some... Not, not that we give credibility, but by him being able to speak publicly, it probably gives him some cred in terms of being the member rep. Um, but they've chosen not to do so. So that's a shame. Um, but uh, that's the way it is. So anyway, look, we won't dwell on it. Uh, it was good to have a win uh, on the weekend. I think it probably just for a moment just eased the pressure valve on the club and the players. But I think we can make no mistake that the pressure is well and truly still on um, and we've got sterner tests. We've got West Coast, Collingwood and the Bulldogs at um, Ballarat and you could quite conceivably see us losing all three of those. Yes. Um, yep. At, at best, I can only see us winning one or maybe two is stretching it, but... Um, I can't see us beating West Coast, put it that way, and then we'll worry about the other two after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think we'll get beaten comfortably, I think, over there. Well, we will talk about that more on Tuesday night. Tuesday night live, of course, we'll be back at 8.30 on Tuesday night, uh, which is good considering that's what we've called it. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, Macca. Thanks to everyone who's listening on Facebook and also Spreaker. Another 700 comments on Spreaker. Uh, very solid guys um, as I said good to have a win uh, so let's make the most of that and we'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live good night everyone night all night all